Welcome to the Stay Ours Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm here with my man, Jordan. And we welcome a third member to our podcast this week. Say what's up to everybody, Cal. What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Calvin. All right, fellas. Now we got the roll call in motion. Uh, we're going to get to the to the Stay Ours talk. First thing we're going to talk about, man, is, is the NBA. Uh, we know that it's, it's getting close to playoff season. Uh, teams are jockeying for position. And we're seeing a lot of teams that's setting the league on fire right now. The Houston Rockets, what they have to 17 in a row. Uh, yeah. Toronto Raptors are number one in the East. So I'm really concerned uh, right now with, with the real deal in the NBA right now. We know Toronto is number one and Houston is number one in the West. But do they really stand a chance uh, to, to knock off those conference champions who seem to be around every year, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors? Hey, listen, man, I'm going to say it like this. At the end of the day, what's tried and true, what's consistent each and every single year is Golden State. Look at that lineup, man. You got four future Hall of Famers on one team. I mean, it doesn't even matter who you put at center. Just throw them out there. It don't even matter. You put Zaza, you can put Bill Cartwright. It don't matter who's at center. You're going to have a team that's going to consistently make it to the finals each and every year, as long as they stay healthy. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, I don't see four future Hall of Famers on the team. I do see Steph and KD. I think Draymond and Clay are, are, are decent players. But I'm going to go with Houston, uh, mainly because not just because of their win streak, but uh, just the type of players they have on their team and how well they complement each other. You got James Harden, who obviously is the MVP on that team, probably the MVP of the league. He can do it all. You got a, a savvy veteran, experienced veteran, point guard, leader in Chris Paul. Uh, Clint Capella is an up-and-coming, tenacious rebounder. He he pretty much kills it on the defensive side for them. Uh, Ryan Anderson, killing it from three. Trevor Ariza, three and D. I mean, they have endless amount of talent on that team, and I think they for real this year. They've always come up short every time they you know get to the Western playoffs and they play against Golden State, so – um, yes, you can't knock the champion off until, you know, it actually happens. So Golden State is number one, but I think uh, Houston is actually a team I'm going to be uh, looking to take it all this year. Okay. Well, I mean, I think in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. And I think it's, it's real cute right now what Houston's doing. Um, they they playing some real ball. They, they mesh and look like Chris Paul. And James Harden, contrary to what many people believe, are coexisting. Clint Capella is eating because you got two guards who are willing to distribute the ball at certain times. Uh, Houston's doing very well, but I think a lot of this is regular season. Um, you know, in the regular season, you're playing a different team every other day. Uh, in the regular season, it's not a lot of time for practice and strategizing. But once you get to the playoffs, once you get down to the point where you're seeing the, the same guy across from you for two weeks, I think the game changes a little bit. And when you have two teams uh, with this much talent, you have to go man for man who's standing across from each other. And Golden State still has the edge in talent. And I certainly believe Golden State has the edge in coaching, which plays a big deal uh, come playoff time when you, when you have talent that close together. 
So you're going to get Steve Curry. He's going to get in that meeting room, in that locker room, and they're going to figure out how to defend against the Houston Rockets. And I just don't think Houston defensively has an answer for Golden State. And if you look at it, man, they only got – not only do they got Steve Kerr, they got Andre Iguodala as they coach. They got David West as they coach. <laughs> listen, they got three coaches, man. They got player coaches coming off. Listen, Golden State is bored right now, man. And that's the thing. They're bored. They've been there. They've done it. I mean, hey, yeah, we won. We, we set the record for the most wins in one season. I mean, we'll coast. We'll just, you know, we we'll wait. We'll wait till LeBron comes so we can knock him down again. You know, make LeBron three and seven or whatever his record is in the finals now. You know what? I, I I'm with that line of thinking. However, I do not think Cleveland is set up to even be as dominant as they were in years past. The reason why I say that is because yeah, they have a more younger, athletic team right now. But as far as being battle tested in the playoffs. That team is very fresh. They're all babies. And, and yeah, you got LeBron on your team. So that kind of trumps everything most times. But with the way that Toronto was playing, they're, they're, they've taken it up a notch. They found something that they haven't had in years past. And then the way Boston is playing. You know, obviously Gordon Haywood went down. Uh, watching the game right now, Jalen Brown had a nasty injury, nasty accident. So I don't know how that's going to affect them going forward. Hopefully he comes back strong. But uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not as confident in saying that Cleveland is going to come out of the East just because of LeBron being on that team anymore. I mean, they have a lot of young cats that may not be experienced enough to get to, you know, where they need to get to. Hey, man, I'm going to say this about Cleveland. At the end of the day, we have not seen this team fully as is with Kevin Love back. Kevin Love's been – how long has Kevin Love been on the bench? He's been sitting out for quite a while now with that injury, right? When Kevin Love gets That's back, you've got LeBron in the post. Kevin Love's going to be posted out, and you got all these new pieces that haven't even got a chance to mesh. And at the end of the day, the common denominator in the East is always going to be you got to go through LeBron to get through to the finals, and nobody's done it. Yeah, and it, here's the thing, man. And for whatever reason, no matter – how bad his teams look during the regular season. For whatever reason, the bums that surround LeBron always make shots in the playoffs. And they it, become super bums. They, they become super bums. And it, it baffles me. I, I think back a couple years ago, um, you know, they were struggling. Everybody thought it was a bad decision going back to Cleveland. And uh, Kevin Love was hurt and Kyrie was up and down with his, with his ankle injuries. And, dude, bombs were coming through. Della Dover was getting 17 points a game. And Mon Shumpert was making shots he's never made in his life. So, for whatever reason, man, these young guys, they're a little better than bombs. They're going to come through, man. And it's just, it's just like I've always said, for whatever reason, there always seems to be a trade or move with that number 23 guy in Cleveland or in Miami when he was six. It always seems to be a trade or a move that kind of tips the scales or that is going to make a difference in the playoffs. And we're going to see one of those moves pay off. They got rid of the dead weight they needed to get rid of, and they brought in fresh young guys. The, the other side of that, they, they're fresh and they babies, but they don't know no better, man. They're going to get to the playoffs, and then they don't know no better. They don't understand the moment they're in. And LeBron going to have some of them dudes clicking. Now it's going to come down to the, to the 
the finals where you play at Houston or Golden State and it's not going to matter. It's going to be LeBron versus that entire team they're up against. But the East, man, call me when Toronto is for real because I, I just – I can't buy Toronto. I've seen this movie before. Man, Toronto still got the Chicago Bulls kryptonite plaguing them, man. So at the end of the day, like I said, I agree with you. I've never really been fake have any kind of faith in Toronto. I always feel like they find a way to choke, even though they are playing better this year, and I'll give it to them. I like what Dwayne Casey's did with Toronto and saying, hey, DeMar, let's take a step back, distribute the ball a little bit more, let's make this offense flow a little better. I mean, it works. But at the end of the day, it may work in the regular season, but when you get to the playoffs and you play against that number 23 monster and all them other talent, for some reason, like you said, he – elevates everybody around him, the LeBums that surround him. He finds a way <laughs> to elevate those guys. And like I said, they, they could be the fourth seed. They could be the fifth seed. It don't even matter. I still take Cleveland is going to make it to the finals, and they're going to see the Warriors. going to be four straight times unless the Rockets can prove something different. Now, here's the only thing, okay? <laughs> Looking at the standings, I think there's one team that will give Cleveland a problem. And it ain't Toronto. And right now, if the season ended today, Cleveland plays that one team, the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm. And I think that would, be, okay. that would be the one team that would that give That would be a scary first matchup, man. Now, as for the West, here's some news for you. The Houston Rockets have won 17 games in a row. Guess how many games up they are on the Warriors? One. So for all this effort, for all these wins, for all this fire that Chris Paul and James Harden shooting, they're up one game in the West. And the Warriors have been coasting. Coasting. So, again, I, it's, it's cute what Houston's doing. They still got to get past that animal. They still got to get past them boys and, and on, the, on the bay, man. It's, but the NBA, it's, it's going to be interesting. Anthony Anthony Davis is playing unbelievable basketball right now. Um, well, and you know what? And you know what's even more crazy, man? If you look at seeds three through ten, all those teams are separated by, what, two games? Yeah, so like four games. In the West. It's in the West. So, so, so you really have huh, – this NCAA-type tournament feel going towards a stretch run for the NBA in the West. That's why I think they need to go ahead and make this where the top 16 teams, no matter what division, no matter what conference they're in, makes the playoffs. That's what I would say. If you do that, you still have eight from the East and eight from the West. It usually, it usually still works out that way. So, I mean, that – well, well, no, you know what? No, I have to disagree. I think you're talking about. I think what Calvin is saying is is is, is record wise because you got a lot of West teams that are like nine, ten, eleven, twelve that have like forty wins, and then the number seven and eight seed in the East got like thirty eight. You know, so so technically, I think what Calvin was saying is having the best sixteen teams in all of the league going to the playoffs, regardless if it's East or West. Which means, obviously, the West is going to have more teams. This is how it usually is. Yeah. I mean, sure, the West will have an advantage, you know, give or take, because 
the East will have to travel to the West more often. And yeah, and I can, I can get why the players may not necessarily want that because of having, if you New York Knicks and your first round matchup is against the Lakers and you got to go all the way to LA and they got to come all the way back. And then some other team, it might be Indiana versus Milwaukee, but they're right next door to each other. So I mean, I get that, but it still will be better for the league, better competition. And LeBron won't coast his way to the finals every single year. You know what? I ain't going to lie. I think that's a horrible excuse. Uh, you're a professional athlete. Stop crying about going somewhere. You take a plane, you be there in a couple hours. And then, and that's why I think that another reason I think the league won't do it. And um, here, here's the way I feel about the NBA. The NBA has a vested interest in seeing LeBron James in the finals. Absolutely. The, the, re, the reason being is this. Now, yeah. I, don't, I don't believe they have a vested interest in him winning. They don't. Because once he gets to the finals, you're watching it. That's all they need. So he could win or lose, and they don't care at that point. But if LeBron gets to the finals, if you love him, you're watching. If you hate him, you're watching. Because you want to see him either succeed or fail. LeBron has become so polarizing of a sports figure that the world either loves him or hates him. And as a result, that's that vested interest. If you have Toronto go to the finals, it'll it'll be a nice story. But Toronto versus Golden State finals, the ratings will dip because Toronto isn't even a, a, a Spurs type of team where it's just a machine. You know, and you'll watch it because it's a machine. Toronto will just kind of be like this team that everybody will figure caught LeBron on a on a off year. So there's a vested interest in LeBron getting to the final. So, I mean, I'm not a big conspiracy theory type of guy, but just look, look for Cleveland to, to find a way to get into those finals. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't look too soon for the top 16 teams. I know Silver is real. Uh, he's trying to be real innovative in the way he's going about making some changes in the league. We're going to get into that in, in a little bit too. Um, but I wouldn't look too soon for that top 16. Because even looking at the standings right now, uh, you got a point, Cal. Uh, we're looking at the – oh, my goodness, the Clippers have made their way to eight. But you're looking at the Nuggets and the Jazz, who are 35 yeah. and 30. They're 9 and 10. And they yeah. would be in front of the Heat and the Bucks. They will be a half game up on the Heat and a full game up on the Bucks. But still, I mean, that, that those last – you're looking at the last – four or five spots if you were to even go to top 16. Look at those last four or five spots. It's still pretty close to where more times than not you would get eight east, eight west. And you, see, you see, and you see, this is why I agree with one of the proposals that uh, uh, he was, um, Silver was talking about. I think the idea was you have the team nine and ten play like a one-game playoff, almost like baseball. Play a one-game playoff to get into the playoffs to determine the seventh and the eighth seed. To me, I'll buy, I'll watch that. To me, that will be more interesting than watching the first-round series of almost any matchup because then you have a tournament-style play where players are playing their utmost heart out just to make sure they make it into the playoffs. That is ratings. Now, what if the what if the, the eight and nine seed are trash? Exactly, they could be trash. But think about it: 
you watch the NCAA, right? You have time. You don't know some of these players on there. But just because <laughs> the game is so tight, the game is, is so – it's so much meaning to it. If you lose, you know what I mean, that's it. You're done. So you have like an upset or a game-winning shot that make the whole crowd go nuts. It's, to me, I think that will create ratings like unbefore, like unlike, unlike anything else, man. So if you go off that format, it's interesting. You got the Nuggets and the Clippers playing for eight, but then you got the Jazz who got the exact same record. So do you do like baseball have a one game playoff and then another one game playoff? That, that would be nice. That would be nice. So 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 here's the idea, right? So the idea is this: so you look at Oklahoma as the seventh seed and LA is the eighth seed. So you have Oklahoma and LA playing Oklahoma for one game. The winner of that game gets the seventh seed. Then the other team who lost has to wait on Denver and Utah, who are 9 and 10. And the winner of Denver and Utah play L.A. or whoever that lost the first game to determine the eighth seed. So you very well, like I said, if you look at the West, man, they're only divided by a half game here, a game there. So really all these teams are equal 7 through 10. All four of those teams can play for them last two spots. That would be something. And think about that, right? So you look at the last game in the season, right? The last – if you look at 82 games in the season, there's at least 78, 78 competitive games. But those last four games, if you already locked in, you're not playing your best players in the last couple of games. You know, you have teams that play on a Thursday night or a Saturday night or Sunday morning for those, uh, uh, those primetime games and players are sitting because they're getting ready for the playoffs. But if you're that seventh or eighth seed and you're, you know you got a game to play in, you're going to try to play as hard as you can to get to that sixth seed so you don't have to worry about doing that play in. Yeah, but if you go off that, you got to watch a, a Pistons-Hornets game. Right. Sure. You might have to watch <laughs> You might have to watch a Pistons-Hornets game. But see, anybody but- watching that, though, that's the issue. That's when ratings go down because ain't nobody going to watch that crap. So that's going to be on a Saturday at 1.30. Who make it in, though. They'll watch it to see who makes it in. I don't think they'll watch it to see who makes it in. They're just going to be like, oh, when it's over, somebody going to make it in and then we'll watch. Saturday at 1.30. Pistons Hornets. Man, please. Hey, it listen, was, I'm sorry. Like uh, what was that? Was that the Titans and the uh, Chiefs that nobody sure. watched? Even see, what they the games, nobody watched but here's the other part to that, right? The other part to that is they will take out four games of the season. So instead of an 82-game season, it'll be a 78-game season. And those last four games are reserved for those teams vying for them last two spots. So that's like – so then so then what you have is, yeah, sure, maybe it's Pistons versus, you know, Charlotte. However, that game is maybe on a- – on a prime time Saturday night because it's determined who's going to make it in. This is tournament style game. So they're going to play their heart out, you know, just win or go home. Though Chris put this in perspective. So now you, now you're entering the realm of gambling too, right? So then this, this adds another layer to a sport where NCAA is mostly predicated on people gambling on who's going to make it in a Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final 4, who's going to win it, right? Absolutely. So now, 
you have this gambling aspect that creates an extra level of interest. All right, what are the odds of the Pistons beating the Hornets on a Saturday night to see who make it to the AC? Man, that's gambling that's going to happen. People don't gamble on a seven-game series in the playoffs because, hey, you know the best team is going to prevail because guess what? It's seven games. Who's going to beat LeBron in seven? But any given Sunday, a team can surprise you. That's true. That's true. And I know Adam Silver, uh, he pretty much openly mentioned that he would adopt the idea of gambling on NBA. They just got to pony up some of that revenue. So, it's Vegas. It's Vegas. You, yeah. you, you think about this. The next NBA team that's coming to, to that's going to be made is going to be in Las Vegas. Let Vegas, so? Vegas is going to have an NBA team. I mean, they already did it for uh, the for the, they the all, NHL. They already got the, the Raiders. Vegas Kings. The Raiders are coming. The Raiders are coming from Oakland. So they 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 got NHL. That's two. That's two. You know, they don't need a baseball team, but they probably can get that too. But they got the T-Mobile Arena. You know, they got the uh, what's that other arena they have that they always play in. Uh, it's funny, we're watching a Vegas commercial, and it just got me thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> now, what's that other uh, 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 arena they have? Uh, Not the Thomas and Mac. The Thomas and Mac? They yeah. got the Thomas and Mac. Yeah. They got, like, three arenas. Like, we went to Vegas last year. They have three arenas within a mile radius of each other. So they got they got plenty of space to put an NBA team. Hmm. And yeah, I know, I know they, when they hosted the All-Star game, um, what was it about five years ago? There you when go. they the All Star game, so I mean, yeah, they have a they have an NBA size arena. That's 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 an interesting proposal, there, man. It's, it will certainly make for some excitement in the NBA. That's while, all they need. While we look at these playoff teams, man, we had an interesting development that took place in the last twenty four hours. Our main man Derrick Rose is joining Tibbs again. Ah, uh-huh, yes. He's back to life, baby. D Rose is back. Oh, he gonna average 25, 7, and 4. Book it next year when everybody else get injured. <laughs> this man has been drinking the D Rose juice. I'm drinking juice. the D Rose juice. I have I have taken the, the rose flower mm-hmm. right to the head, baby. He's back. Hey man, I don't care. I'm I'm drinking, I'm taking the flower the Black Panther got. The man D Rose is gonna be back. Listen, man, I ain't gonna lie to you. For the last few days, I've been refreshing my phone, typing in Derrick Rose in Google. I'm just hoping somebody signed this man. This is where it's come to, right? We got the 2010-2011 NBA MVP, 22 mm-hmm. years young, youngest player ever to become MVP. Yeah. Surefire on his way to Hall of Fame. This man even changed a rule in basketball. He has a Derrick Rose rule, whereas yeah. if you become an MVP and an all-NBA all-star player team, and an yeah. all-star, you're guaranteed to get a max deal off your rookie deal contract. Yeah. This is the player we're talking about here. Yeah, and now he's reduced to $400,000. But, hey, I like him on this team. I think uh, – and me and Calvin were talking about this earlier. I think that uh, it might have been a pity move. Tom knows he kind of pretty much ended Derrick Rose's career in Chicago when he didn't even have to play him in that Philly series. They were already up by 12 minutes when he left. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, 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 you don't stop nothing. I'm going to keep going. Let me, let me One see minute. That. No. 
One minute and 20 seconds. Hey, man, One me. minute and 20 seconds left. No, I'm going to get this out. 12 points. You were good enough to have him come out of the game. At least you're all, at least your stars. You take him, you take Joachim Noah out the game, and you finish it off. They were a very good defensive team. They could have finished that out. Hey, listen, I'm going to say this. All options aside, and I'm a Derrick Rose fan too, that injury was going to happen no matter what. Yes. If you, you can't assume that. You you yes. you have to look at the whole body of work for that whole shortened season. Because that was a lockout season, right? Weren't they that locked out 60, for? Yeah, that was a few short. Yeah, short they were locked yeah. out. So, yeah. so you looked at that whole season. Derrick Rose had injuries all over the place, man. It was like playing a game of what's that uh, doctor game where you like that little toy operation. operation. <laughs> I mean, that's what Derrick Rose was, man. He had injuries all over the place. So he was overcompensating in other areas. It was bound mm. to happen. Here's, here's my thing with that. Derrick Rose was a historical athlete. But if you notice, no one that you've ever seen in life put that much torque on their knees. The yeah. dude would jump full strength, hard, sideways. Yeah. Even if you look at Russell Westbrook, who, who a lot of people compare their games because of the intensity and the athleticism, Russ yeah. still jumps forward. Derek used to jump sideways. Derek yeah. didn't know how to jump. Derek didn't know how to land. And that I'm with Cal. That injury was going to happen sooner or later. I can't, I can't put that on Tibbs. I'm not going to put it on Tibbs. I'm just, you know, blowing a fuse right now. Obviously, it's emotional. But if we're going to be real, yes, you're right. He, he put a lot of torque on it. There was a lot of start and stop to his game. I mean, he was doing things that the normal athlete could not really do on a consistent basis. And that's what made him so special is his athleticism was even better than Russell Westbrook at one point in time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this man this man didn't have a good diet either, man. At that time, he didn't know how to help. He didn't know how to help his own body. Man, what's they, wrong with Skittles? Man, this man was eating candy, man, before and after games, man. man. please. Come on, man. You eat, you, you, you Skittles is part of a healthy, a nutritious diet. Hey. Especially the rare ones. <laughs> Listen, man, this dude did not know how to eat. He didn't know how to use his body. That's why you see him doing so many different stretches and little things throughout the game, nuances. But this man is in pain. If you look at this man during the game when he was playing with Cleveland and even when he was playing in New York, this man is on the sidelines stretching and bending and flexing. This man is in pain every single day. So yeah, the, the reason I think he's in Minnesota, though, is this. We in Chicago, so we, we remember – beloved coach Tom Thibodeau. But we also remember something about him is he was a very, very closed individual. He had a circle of trust. So Derek was an individual he trusted. So when Derek became available, when the right price approached, he was going to pull Derek in because Derek is somebody he trusts. He can talk basketball with Derek. He, He knows Derek knows his sets, his system. And even if Derek doesn't get on the court, which I think he still will, because um, I don't think Tibbs trusts Tyus Jones much. Uh, if he ever did, and he doesn't trust him anymore. Um, Derek is going to be able to walk a lot of those guys through what Tibbs wants. Even though Derek doesn't talk much, he's still going to be able to, to walk those guys through a little bit of what, what Tibbs might want. Because Derek, he's the next circle of trust, man. Hey, man. Hey. 
you know, that, 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 that was well said by you, Chris. That was really well said by you. But you're forgetting another reason why he probably brought him back. Because they're both weirdos, okay? Thibodeau's, ver- uh, his idea of a vacation is holding the clipboard up, yelling at people. Like, he doesn't even want to take a real vacation. Derrick Rose is one of the weirdest superstars I've ever, ever seen. Obviously, you know that man ain't got no kind of personality. They were made for each other. Maybe. Maybe. I look at it from the standpoint of, you know what? Thibodeau say, hey, look, at the end of the day, 400000 for the rest of the season ain't nothing to us. We get this man a shot. And, hey, we don't have Jimmy right now. Why not, uh, you know, bring Derek in, see what he got. Maybe he can give us a lift, help us to get to the playoffs. And who knows, maybe there may be some spark, maybe a little bit of that Derek Rose old magic may come back. But <laughs> his legs just going to reappear. As much as I love Derek Rose, man, I, I, don't see, I don't see what else he can really provide because he doesn't play defense. He doesn't know how to stay in front of his man, let alone – get around any type of pick. So he's a pick-and-roll nightmare. You know, uh, he can't shoot the three, and his mid-range shot is inconsistent. If you remember last year, he was doing a lot of those bank shots off the window. I don't even see him doing that this year. You know, He was doing that when he was uh, healthy. And, and what what did he play? He only played 13 games, he right? He played 16 games, but 16. I didn't see him do that shot. He did a few. I mean, he's trying to get to the hole at will any chance he can, but at the end of the day – that's not this NBA no more. Yeah. Game has changed. Unless you're Russell Westbrook. Unless. Hey, man, don't remind me, man. You're a Russell West beast. And you know what? And that's crazy. You think about it. Russell was drafted number four and Derek was drafted number one overall. I mean, we could have had Westbrook, you know. But, I mean, who would have seen this? Yeah, I right? is 50-50, man. And of course, you're going to want to be like, man, just imagine if we would have had him. Nobody can predict Injury on top of injury on top of injury. Like Derrick Rose has probably had some of the most unfortunate injuries in in the history of uh, the NBA. You know, just take away his 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 career, his athleticism. So I agree. I mean, yeah, Russell Westbrook would have been nice, but obviously, going back, we still would have picked Derrick Rose. I know I would have. I'm, I'm I'm going to say this. I know Russ did the impossible. Well, not impossible, but. He repeated something that was only done once in NBA history last year. However, and I know there may be statistics that prove otherwise, I would still take Derrick Rose's MVP season over Russell's year last year. Absolutely. Why? Derrick Rose at MVP year carried a basketball team to the Eastern Conference Final. Absolutely. Carried them. Russ struggled to get into the playoffs until – two games before the end of the season. He had to hit that bank shot on Denver. So for all the triple-doubles that he got, stealing rebounds from Steven Adams and uh, getting assists when he was finally triple-teamed, that year just, to me, it doesn't stack up to what Derek did. I mean, call me a homer, but it doesn't stack up because even though Russ carried that team last year, just – he also, to me, is the reason why they lost. Because Russ, Russ didn't get that ball up against Houston. All the, all the assists, 
that last game, he went down chucking. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I would still take Derrick Rose's MVP season over that, too. You're absolutely right. I mean, you can get stats a lot of way. I mean, look at Ricky Davis. Remember when that man had a triple door? I believe he – what did he do? Didn't he, like, pass it or, 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 or like, force a rebound or something to get a triple-double? Yeah, he, was he one of those threw the ball off the backboard and grabbed it. With like two yeah. seconds left to get a triple-double. Absolutely. So I, I agree with you. You know, I think uh, Russell Westbrook is I'm not taking nothing away from him, but uh, he, you, 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 you are a valuable player because you impact your team. You impact how important your team is, where you take your team to. And so, yeah, you can get uh, average a triple double all day, but if you all don't even make the playoffs, then that's for nothing. That's just, you know, building up your own rep, your own uh, personal uh, accolades. But you, you you should be a team player. So I, I agree with you. Yeah, D Rose definitely would have been uh, my pick still. And Russ is a stat chaser, man. You know, they they had one. Um, I forgot who they were playing this year, and they showed the clip where the guy had a game winning shot. I think it was Denver. I think it might have been Murray. And they showed Russ was supposed to come off the screen and guard Murray. But he was standing close to the basket because the only thing he needed for a triple-double was one rebound. So, I mean, I think, you know, as good as Russ is, I think sometimes he stat chases. No doubt. I do think he stat chases. But if there's one thing, though, I'll say about Westbrook that I wish was truly embedded in Derrick Rose is that Westbrook is a dog and Westbrook don't care and he's going to do whatever he can to win that game. And I feel like Derrick plays passive, man. I've watched Derrick the last three years, and I'm talking about back to his last year with Chicago. I remember being so upset because Derrick will get, bring the ball up to the court, pass it off to a wing, and run in the corner and stand there. So it's, it's, he basically becomes a ghost. He's ineffective. And, it's like, I, and it was consistent. And it's to the point now, even when he was playing with LeBron, sure, LeBron dominates the ball. But Derrick Rose, it was just like he was content with just being a three uh, in the corner, maybe a three-point shooter. And he wasn't even an effective one. Now, I'm not going to disagree with you all the way, bro. I, uh, I do believe Derrick Rose became very passive once he realized, you know, a lot of his abilities were kind of put on the shelf and he, he couldn't get what he what – he, he, he wasn't what he, what he used to be. But when Derrick was – Derrick Rose, the he man was, was he was a dog. You remember he was going up to nations. He was bodying people. He was dogging people just like Russbrook. But once Derrick Rose lost that, then that's when Jimmy Butler started trying to assert himself. And then you had other people trying to step up to be the alpha dog. Nobody else on that OKC team, even Kevin Durant, had that mentality of this is my team. I'm a dog. I don't care. Russell Westbrook had that. Nobody challenged him, you know, for that, even to this day. You got Carmelo and Paul George on the team. I saw a game yesterday. Russell Westbrook is not going to shy away from doing his own thing, no matter what. So I I, I agree and I disagree because, I mean, like I said, when you get injured, you know, your, your talent gets taken away from you and your mentality is probably different. You probably knew that you were going to be a Hall of Fame player, Hall of Fame talent. And then after so many injuries, it's like, my God, 
what what what's gonna happen next? So so that's in the back of your brain. So you can't really play up to your full potential, even if you still have the mind to do so. I think what hurt Derek too was it's not that he didn't love the game, but I think his fear of losing everything was more than his love for the game. I think because you know we we all heard the story, man. How he he came up in Inglewood and he didn't have nothing, and his mom had to work hard just to to make sure they ate, and the brothers had to go out and uh, you know do some some things maybe in the streets to 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 keep the family going or what have you. So when they when he got paid, if you recall when he won the MVP and he knew he was getting paid, he told his mom, "Say we made it, we made it." And I think once he got paid, it wasn't that he didn't love basketball. That injury scared the life out of that man. And he started to look at things. That's why he started saying crazy stuff like, you know, I got my son. You know, I got to go to meetings. I mean, yeah, it, sound, it sounded dumb. It sounded something like he was detached. It but, was dumb. Yeah. But <laughs> what I'm saying is that you, you heard a man that was broken and afraid. He was afraid to lose what he had. I mean, think 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 of how how it would be for somebody like us. We come up, and out of nowhere, we worth three hundred million dollars. And you know, if you make one mistake, that three hundred million dollars might not be there. You gonna be a little skittish about the way you move around too. And he his mentality was so he was so mentally fragile that he was spooked at losing what he had. And I'm and I, I'm willing to to bet that the family pressure on him knowing that he was the family savior, so to speak, that didn't help him. That handicapped him when it came to him mentally getting over that injury. <laughs> well, you see, that's, that's, that was the biggest problem. To me, Reggie being in his ear and his other brother being in his ear, man, his family in his ear, that was the problem. Derek didn't have his own mind. He didn't know how to think for himself. You can hear in his interviews, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's only God. God will make the decision for me if I can play again. This is like the stuff he will say. It will, it's mind-boggling. You never heard an all-star MVP-type player say the things Derek will say, but that's because he had other people who had other interests, hence why you see the contracts of his brother and his best friend. Uh, why, why is his brother earning 250000 a year from Adidas? 250000 a year. To do what? He's a uh, he's in the he's the babysitter. He's the babysitter. I mean, which actually is what Derrick Rose needs. He's been babysat his whole life, bro. Like we're gonna be real. Well, that's the that's what he don't need. He needs to. Derrick Rose needs to be a man, and that's the thing. You almost thirty. Why why is people making decisions for you still? You're a grown man with a child, and now you marry, which you did when you took your sabbatical. So now what? You know? And see, this is the thing. That's what's brought him to where he's at now. You know, where he's at now is like, I mean, he's hoping to not get a 10-day contract offer, which is what he's been getting. And then Thibodeau probably just feels sorry for him and say, I'll sign you for the rest of the season. But in the summer, you're on your own. Yeah, that's just likely what happened. So let's, let's move from the playoff teams. And we, me and Jordan talked about this a little last week. And, Cal, of course, you can chime in on it because it came up again. Uh, we heard that the, the NBA, Adam Silver, and, and or his reps 
I've been calling teams up, man, telling them, hey, y'all got to cool this tanking out because you, you mess with the integrity of the game. So what do y'all think about Adam Silver making that move? Hey, man, I say stop hating. That's what I say. Listen, we need to tank, tank, tank. I don't care what it takes to tank, but we need to lose these games. We too high up. I mean, let's just be honest, man. All those teams in the bottom eight are all tanking. They're all tanking. They're all finding ways to tank. And it's like how they're investigating on specific teams. I'm like, you know these teams have been tanking for the longest. They've been doing it since day one, you know. And I get it. I know the NBA wants more competitive basketball. I get it. And it makes sense. You want that. But at the end of the day, you know, if you got a, a team, if your team is located in a rural state or a city like Utah or something, you're not attracting top free agents. Exactly. You're going to get them through the draft. And that's what it is. It's the big picture in mind. And, hey, John Paxson finally got it together. They, they finally did something smart and said, we're going to sit you, Robin Lopez. We're going to sit you, Justin Holiday, because you're helping us win and we don't want to right now. And because they're older guys, they can do it under the guise of, hey, we're trying to develop younger talent. So we – we know what Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday can do. They're vets. So we're going to sit them down so we can look at our younger talent. We need to see what campaign can do. We don't, but... No, we don't. <laughs> we do. <laughs> you know what? Campaign has not been that bad. I mean, he, you know, last year, he was the worst player I've ever seen in my life. But So he upgraded from worse to a little... Better than worse. Hey, you know what? How many <laughs> how many players are there in the league? Three hundred and what? Man, he was probably like you know third from the last. You know mm-hmm. now now he's fifth from the last. But still, <laughs> I'm gonna say this. You know, campaign may be cam garbage, but at the end of the day, he's a good excuse for us to play him, so we can lose some more games. We just need to lose, man. I'm tired of winning right now because we got to see the big pitches. I need the Bulls to see the big play. I need the players. We're going to be here next year. I need Dunn Levine and marketing to see, hey, let's lose a little bit so we can get a player like Michael Porter Jr. So we can get a Marvin Bagley. That's who I want. No Marvin Bagley. Give me something that's going to make us sustainable. That's what that I'm telling you, that's what Seattle did. Think about it. Seattle drafted. Kevin Durant, they were bad. Then they got Westbrook, they were bad. And then, then they, they got James Harden. Then they got Ibaka. They moved. Now, because they're in a small market and they were not that smart, they traded James Harden, but I mean, still, they they drafted right because they was in the right position. If you the 10th or 12th pick, you're not getting those players. You're not. It's how I feel. Adam Silver, you want to play this game? I'm going to play right along with you. You pulled your ace card out and you say, hey, hey, ain't going to be no sitting healthy players. Let Robin Lopez suit up. Put Justin Holiday back out there. Oh, 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 okay, Adam. Okay. Robin, go ahead and start. At 1035 in the first quarter, hey, Robin, get back out. And Justin Holiday, oh, yeah, yeah, Justin, you can come in. Come in. Oh, minute later, oh, hey, Justin, come out. We need to put Nawaba back in. David's been killing. Yeah, okay, you want healthy players to play? I'm going to let them play. 
for five minutes apiece. Now, 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 what's your move, Adam Silver? You know, another thing that I heard too uh, on on the score is they likened it to uh, I forgot the name of the coach who used to coach the Pistons with John Sally and Isaiah Thomas. Chuck Daly. What was? Yeah. So he said Chuck Daly. Whenever Chuck Daly needed to really like go hard at Isaiah Thomas, what he would do is he would yell at John Sally. And he would make sure that John Sally uh, was heard, or, or rather that whoever, whatever he was talking about to John Sally was heard by, by Isaiah Thomas. So Isaiah Thomas would get the point, but it wasn't a direct, you know, argument versus him. So what I think Adam Silver is doing is not really for the Bulls in particular, because he issued the warning against them. I think this is kind of like, hey, I'm letting you know this because I want the other teams to uh that's under you that are that are really really bad that are trying to tank to get the pick get the point as well but uh i i got some i got some uh antidote for that you you play them all you want and uh you take them out play play to play the healthy players you know five ten minutes and then put them right back on the bench yeah i mean i don't i don't understand again what this crusade against Tanking is it's, it's been happening, and people are saying it's, it's destroying the competitive balance of the league. It, when it's actually not, what's what's contributing more to the destruction of the competitive balance of the league is the the Marvel team ups that we got going on from all these teams. That's hurting the competitive right. balance. You really think that tanking makes a, as big a difference as Kevin Durant wanting to go play with the Warriors? You really think tanking makes as big of a difference as you know the three the three dudes the three kings in Miami teaming up to play? You think tanking makes as, as much difference as Isaiah Thomas making sure Mark Aguirre comes over to his team? It's when you want to get guys to team up, this talent to team up. Your the talent has to come from somewhere because the thing is you you don't want the tanking you don't want these teams being bad on purpose, but you rather them groom. Uh, groom a, a a college guy, groom a future all star, so you can rob him later. What's the difference? What's the difference? You really think that un- unless the the Boogie Cousins thing happened in New Orleans, you thought Anthony Davis was going to do an extension in New Orleans? No, because New Orleans wasn't able to get any free agent. The only way to do it is to either trade for it or draft it. That's the only way to do it. And in order to trade for it, you have to have some valuable chips to send to another team. And since you don't have that because your team is trash, you may as well take. I mean, like I said, I, I get it. I understand. But like you mentioned, you got these players teaming up all over the place. There is absolutely no way any team is going to dethrone Golden State as long as they got four potential max players on one team. Any one of these guys, these four guys we're talking about, Thompson, uh, Draymond Green, Durant, and Curry, can be a 1A, 1B, or even a 1C for that matter on another team. You think Draymond is a max player? Draymond's going to be a max player. Hmm. Draymond Green He's is the no, best defensive player in basketball. The best. The best defensive player? Oh, yes. Okay. We, gonna, we, we need so, that as a different segment so, now. So listen, listen. I pound disagree. for pound. 
pound for pound, you take Draymond Green at six foot seven. This man can guard almost every single position on the floor consistently. So can Anthony Davis. All right, but Anthony Davis have to prove it over a body of work. Yes, he gets hurt. He gets injured. I mean, you, you, you look at it from this standpoint, right? At the end of the day, you can be great. You can do all these things. But if you're constantly getting hurt and you're not out there to prove it on a consistent basis, then somebody else who is able to prove it at a consistent basis, Draymond Green, okay. make it to the playoffs, Draymond Green, NBA Finals, Draymond Green. And this guy is 6'7". Anthony Davis is 6'11". This dude is 6'7", Garden Centers. But you're, you're, you're talking about Draymond Green making it. That, that's irrelevant to me because he's on Golden State with other three other great players with him. Anthony Davis is on the team where he's the only great player, and he just got DeMarcus Cousins. So he's okay. But, no, I hear you. I'm, I'm talking about what he just brought up. But if, we, if we're talking about defensive end and saying, okay, well, he's always hurt, then let's just talk about LeBron or Kawhi Leonard. I would take them as my defensive players over Draymond Green first. But they're not consistent. And on the defensive end? They're great. Got LeBron. LeBron takes plays off. Okay, so Kawhi then. Let's do it down to Kawhi. Kawhi can't can't stick all the positions. Draymond Green yes. is not off the ball defender. Watch Draymond, watch Draymond Green play defense off the ball. Okay. Y'all give me something to think about. Draymond, Draymond changes the way offenses play because you can't. So here's the thing. You could put your big guy out there. Draymond's going to stick with him. But then is that big guy going to be able to stick with Draymond Green? No. Draymond can shoot the three, not consistently, but he can shoot it. He can also run the offense, you know, and so he don't need to score 25 points a game. Hmm. He can give you 14 points, seven rebounds, eight rebounds, you know, six or seven assists. And he he leads the Warriors in assists. Yeah. And what, what the, the thing that's beautiful, man, watch Draymond Green off the ball defensively. If you look at the Golden State Warriors and people talk about how they hide Steph Curry, which they occasionally they do. If you look at the Golden State Warriors, when Draymond Green is on the floor, they're very rarely caught in a bad mismatch. Because what right. Draymond does is Draymond directs traffic. And when those mismatches cut, Draymond switches and gets the defense back on people who they're supposed to be guarding or back on the best matchup possible. Draymond Green is the best defensive player in the league. I have to humbly disagree with y'all. And, I mean, I, I got to stick with my guns with that because I honestly think, and going back to your point, Calvin, about Draymond Green has the most assists. Uh, yeah, because he's passing it to the best shooter in the world and then probably a top 15 best shooter of all time in clay and then KD. I mean, enough said with that. Obviously, you got all of the weapons at your disposal to get assists when you're not even trying to get assists. Like, I can get five, six, seven assists on average Passing it to them three dudes. Okay, but so then if you look at it from this standpoint, look at our boy Derrick Rose. How many assists did he average this year playing with Cleveland as a starting point guard before he got hurt? One, 1. 1.6. There's no shooters on that team. You got LeBron. You got, he's not a shooter. You got K-Love. He's, well, he's you got J.R. Smith. He's, he's not a shooter like Golden State. It doesn't matter. He well, got players that can score. Golden they State. can score. Oh, that's why they traded them all away. But see, Rondo averaged – how many assisted Rondo averaged on the team? On Boston? Yeah, well, they had two main shooters, and that's it. Ray Allen is one of the greatest – see, we're talking about shooters versus 
the greatest historic shooters. But see, you don't have to get an assist just off somebody standing in the corner shooting a three. I agree. You can pass a ball to a guy. He could take two dribbles and shoot it, and that's an assist. I know what an assist is. But I'm just saying it's easier to get an assist when you have three of the best shooters in the league actually at this point right now and historically. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not like – Okay, yeah, sure. He can get assists more frequently than someone else, possibly. But you're still talking about a guy who's six foot seven, who's guarding a seven footer, who's bringing the ball up the court. He's the best defensive player. He's the anchor. And even when those guys aren't on the floor, he's still getting assists. He's still throwing dimes. Yeah. You know, he does everything. He's a dominant guys. You're playing with two other ball dominant guys. Exactly. Let's prove my point. <laughs> no, I still stick to my guns. I don't think he's the best defensive player in the league. I honestly don't. I, I really don't. On I think On any given play, Draymond's five guy. Huh? What'd you say? Now I said I'm not opposed to uh, you all thinking that he is one of the best. I, I, I just don't think he is the best. You can't count Kawhi. Kawhi is Say that again, man. Kawhi hasn't played all year. You can't count Kawhi. I'm just saying, we're talking about body of work. Kawhi got hurt recently. Uh, Draymond was hurt for a little bit. I'm, I'm just saying, regardless of the injuries, I'm talking about a person's ability to still affect the game defensively on that side of the, the court. I don't think that he is the number one guy, if I said, hey, give me the best defensive option in the league today, my first mind is not going to go to Draymond Green. He probably will be number two or number three, but I'm still going to keep in mind somebody that's as naturally gifted as Anthony Davis. So injuries aside, I'm picking Anthony Davis because he used to be a point guard. So you know he's good with his feet. He can dribble. He can move faster than a lot of big men his size. And he has length. The man's arms is as long as Stretch Armstrong. So he can, he can, he can disrupt a, a, a natural, easy layup and, and turn it into a, into a difficult play like that. Draymond doesn't have that length. Draymond is a try-hard, built himself into a really good type of defensive player, player uh, in general. But I think that Anthony Davis is far ahead of him. If we're just talking naturally, I, I, I'm going AD. No doubt, no doubt Anthony Davis is more physically gifted than Draymond Green. And if you were to ask Anthony Davis to do what Golden State and Ron Adams is asking Draymond Green to do, he would excel. But the fact of the matter is they're not asking Anthony Davis to do that. So he has no opportunity to show it. So we don't know for sure that he is the best defensive player in the league because they're not asking him for it. That's that's and that's the thing. He is proving to you that, hey, I'm going to guard your center. I can guard the point guard. I'm going to guard LeBron. I can guard the two guard and I definitely can guard your power forward. Oh, by the way, let them put a big guy on me. I'm going to run him crazy and you're going to have to play small ball, which you may or may not be equipped to do, which is why Golden State is always Look at how easily that series changed. When Golden State was surefire about to beat Cleveland in the finals and Draymond Green was suspended for that one game, 
Cleveland won three straight. And it was all because the series shifted when Draymond Green didn't play that one game. He makes that much of a difference, man. Now, if, you, if you're talking about I need a guy that's going to lock one guy up all game, yeah, give me Kawhi Leonard all day. But if you're saying I need the best – okay, let's, let's, let's designate. Draymond Green is the best team defensive player in the game. Now we talking. Okay. See, now you got my mind on a different level. You might be looking at it from one-on-one, mano-a-mano, I'm going to lock this dude up in front of you. Yeah. Draymond ain't going to always do that. Draymond is the best team defender in the game of basketball. I'm with that. I'm with that. Well, let's uh, real quick, let's just sneak in some some football talk. Um, and we might get yeah. a, a little more with our, with our next pod, too. But uh, just briefly talking about football, we just had the draft combine that took place in Indianapolis, that, that exciting city of Indianapolis. And then uh, we see that a lot of moves are being made in the NFL. A lot of quarterbacks are being talked about getting moved around in the NFL. A lot yeah. of defensive players. But real quick, before we even get into this, I want I want to make this disclaimer. What's really upset me, and when people talk about football, especially you know some of our friends and things like that, is people get upset that these great players get traded for mid-round draft picks. People need to understand this: football trades are not like any other sport. The mm-hmm. football player is like is like a luxury vehicle. The minute it leaves the lot, the minute it becomes professional, this football player, its value depreciates incrementally. So even though you're an all-pro defensive end, or you're a great pass rusher like Michael Bennett, or yeah. you're a great corner like Marcus Peters, you still have four, five, six, seven years worth of car accidents on your body. So, no, I'm not going to give you a first-round pick in a seven-year bet, even though he's an all-pro. Yeah. Let's talk about football. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. In fact, I, I wouldn't mind if uh, the Bears got one of those great players for a, a six-rounder. So, I, I heard it might be a, a, some rumors about maybe a Dez Bryant or a Brandon Cooks, would y'all be open to something like that? Bring them here. <laughs> Bring them here. See, this is the problem with the Bears. For some reason or another, I don't get it, but they can never really lock up a top-tier offensive player. And when they do, we get Jay Cutler, Brandon Marshall, players that don't really pan out, you know? But if you tell me that I can get Des Bryant for a six-round pick, bring him here. I'm not going to lie. I think Brandon Marshall was really good, but he came with baggage. And honestly, if we were to get Des Bryant for, let's say, a fifth or sixth rounder, he would come with baggage too because I think he's along the same lines of a crybaby. If he don't get the ball, he's going to start complaining. I mean, we see his resume. The man is a beast. I think he's been – Wide receivers or divas, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Odell. I mean, you, you got a lot of people that, you know, said wide receivers are divas. You're absolutely right. But 
as far as who I would want, I would want Dez and Brandon Cooks. I want my steak and potatoes. Bring Give me all of them. Here. Bring, bring them, all of them. Bring them here. Let, oh. them all, let them all compete for, for the one, two, and three slots for the wide receiver position because Bears ain't got nobody. I don't think Kevin White is going to sniff a good career. He looks like he's trying to get back healthy, but uh, I, don't, I don't put my trust in him. And if the Bears don't draft uh, a wide receiver at number eight, uh, Calvin Ridley, in my preference, I don't think they're going to really go for a, a, a good wide receiver in the draft if after that. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind a Dez. I wouldn't mind a Brandon Cooks or, or Jarvis Landry. I, I, I'm not willing to pay the price that that's being rumored for Jarvis Landry. I'm not willing to give up that first-round pick, drop in the draft, and give up Jordan Howard for a – honestly, a possession receiver. Um, Brandon Cooks, from what I'm hearing, we're talking like second or third round. Of course, the Bears don't have a third round. They gave that up for, for true last year. Uh, so you would have to give up that second round. I'm not with trading a second – anything – Two and above, I'm not trading for an NFL player with more than two years on his body. Um, you can get in the second round a number one receiver. You can get a Keenan out. You know what I'm saying? That that type of guy in the second round, especially with the high pick that the Bears are going to have. And I'm not opposed to trading down, addressing some positions of need in the first round, getting a couple picks. Going out and getting Allen Robinson, man. I know he's coming off the ACF, but you're talking about a guy who's in his third year in the league, and he didn't even play in year two. So, go get Allen Robinson. I take Allen Robinson. I, I like the idea of Allen Robinson. I mean that 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 does scare me though with that injury, but you know, yeah, I just think the Bears need talent. Give me mm-hmm. offensive wide receiver talent. The focus is always on defense, but give me talent to work with. Give Mitch Trubisky somebody to throw the ball to so he can be great. And you know what? It is kind of unfortunate. I mean, I think the Bears were going in that direction, but injury, again, just as any other sport, just takes a lot of plans out, out of the, out of the, uh, out of, out of, it, it, take, it messes up the plans, basically. So, you know, you get Kevin White at number seven in the draft, and then Cameron Meredith emerges as a really good receiver that came out of nowhere. If those two guys were healthy and doing what they were supposed to be doing, I mean, we would be talking about two decent receivers. So, I mean, it, it, stuff happens, man. Yeah, I mean, and, and you, you hate that label is put up on, especially Kevin White, who has some promise on that. Um, but he had, he's had a series of injuries that have gotten you to the point where now you're looking at, okay, the Bears need to go out and get another receiver. But looking at draft boards, uh, Ridley's stock is dropping a tad to where you look at uh, right after the the BCS championship game, they're talking about Ridley in that 7, 8, 9 range where he'd be there for the Bears or even go before the Bears pick. But now I'm seeing draft boards, man, where this dude is dropping 14, 15, 20. So I'm not against Calvin Ridley. Um, but what I think, if, you, if you're going to go in that direction, I think you do need to trade down and get some value off of him. 
All right, all right. So uh, one more thing uh, real quick I wanted to discuss, and uh, this, this goes into the other stuff. There's been talk about a Martin comeback. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> Whack. You are not about to be even close to the level of old Martin. First of all, you all are older. The chemistry is going to be off because you all didn't like each other. Uh, my man Tommy is gone. So it's not going to be the same. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. But I'm not expecting greatness. I'm expecting a laugh or two. Hey, you know what, man? Martin, man, he I don't know what it is, but he stopped being funny a while ago, man. Like, honestly, like I've I've seen a couple of his stand ups and I, I chuckle, but he's not as funny as he used to be. I mean, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just his action comedy is funny and maybe he can't move the way he used to. I don't get it. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch the show. And when it comes back, it's going to be weird not seeing Tommy there. I don't see how they're going to fuse somebody else. But I'm going to tell you one thing. The more people are hungry, man. They're trying to get back on TV. So they may try, They may, they may may pull it off because they're going to do what they can to keep relevant and try to stay funny on that, on Trump, on TV. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm like you guys. I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be as funny. Um, it, it gets to relevance too. It's going to appeal to our age group because we came up with that. But you know, TV and media and whatever media market or or or, or TV channel station they're going to utilize to come back. Um, who is their demographic? You know, and a lot of the demographic today, especially if it goes on Viacom, uh, which which is pretty much catered towards mostly idiots. Um, if, it, if it comes back on like Viacom, their demographic is is early 20. You know what I'm saying? So they're not going to, they may understand the nostalgia, but they're not going to get the humor. And I know, you know, Martin trying to get the buzz up. He's going on tour again uh, with different comics around the country right now. So he's trying to get the buzz up, uh, maybe even trying to get a gauge for how far he should go with this. Uh, there's even been rumors that Jamie Foxx might be on board to help him with the show come back. But I don't, I don't think it's going to be as entertaining. And then a lot of times, man, the, I find too, when you get older, a lot of stuff you laughed at when you were younger gets kind of whack. Yeah. 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 Especially, Especially in the night. No, yeah. When they try to rehash it, it's like, why y'all doing that again? I mean, it's funny when you watch it in the moment, but when you have, have a person trying to do the same thing they did 25 years ago, uh, you know, it takes some of the flavor out of it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I do think that uh, it'll have some laughs. But like you said, I mean, what is going to be the direction? Like, I feel like TV has changed so much over the past 20 some years, like people are more into realism, uh, relatability. Like a lot of times you look at Martin and as much as I love the show, it was my favorite show for the longest. But then I started to like Fresh Prince more because it felt like a lot of the episodes on Martin didn't really have a meaning. It was just like there wasn't really a story arc. It was just a day to day. Just, it was something different every show. 
you know, there was really nothing to build off of. But I feel like TV, people are smarter now. Like people are, are into more intelligent comedy. I mean, we'll see. I mean, Martin played a lot of characters. So I'm, I'm curious to see if he's able to, you know, give me some Shanae or some Jerome, you know. I don't think it's something, I don't think it's nothing wrong with shutting the brain off every now and then and just laughing at something stupid and goofy. But just make sure you do it right and don't try to replicate what you had in the past because it's not going to work. But I, I'm with Calvin on that. I think that uh, a lot of people have wised up and they, they like, you know, intelligent comedy, things that make you kind of think, but at the same time are still hilarious. But uh, it, it just has to be done right, you know. And if it's not, then they might have a short, <laughs> short go of it. Yeah, it'd be fun. Gotta have fresh ideas. Gotta have fresh ideas. Yeah, it'd be fun to watch though. All right, fellas. Uh, this has been another episode of the Stay House Podcast. And until next time, I'm Chris. I've been with Jordan. I've been with Calvin. It's been a good one, fellas. Yes, sir. All right, all right. Till the next time. They can't stop me. Even if <laughs>